electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Going in the right direction. I heard it all day. The consumer price index is no longer red hot, and it looks like the Fed is winning. It's going in the right direction. And that's why we could rally. Dow advancing 86 points, SB gaining 0.7%, and the Nasdaq jumping 1.15%. And it's true. We had a surprisingly positive consumer price index number, even if that's more or less what everybody was expecting a surprise that we expected. So, are we out of the woods then? Is the Fed done tightening, right? In your dreams, people, the Fed's not done, and I'm going to tell you why. First, going in the right direction is not what the Fed's aiming for. The only line in the CPI that made things truly better was the decline in used car prices. If it were suddenly to reverse and go up in price, then the CPI would be headed in the wrong direction. If the Fed were to change course based on a number that's heavily influenced by a single piece of data, they would have zero credibility. Second, the data that's most important when it comes to inflation right now, housing prices, isn't even in the consumer price index. Back in 1983, a group of politicians took the price of homes out of the index in order to make that inflationary moment look, well, uh, less inflationary. Unfortunately, home price escalation is now the single worst form of inflation out there. The house of pain. Home prices are up a staggering 40% since 2019. It's routine now for Toll Brothers to sell million-dollar homes and have bidding wars over them. I think it's safe to say that at this pace, the American dream of owning a home will be borderline impossible for the vast majority of people in this country because of inflation. If you remember the Federal Reserve, this is completely unacceptable. Home prices must be rolled back, not just less inflation, They want deflation. The difficulty for the Fed is that there's a huge gap between the number of homes being built and the number needed, perhaps as many as four to five million. And there's very little existing supply because interest rates were kept so low for so long that people don't want to sell and move somewhere else where they have a much more expensive mortgage. So the Fed has to play for time until more homes can be built and more apartments can come online. That's higher for longer. Third. We need to stop confusing any given index with the tight labor market that makes our current bout of inflation so intractable. There are still way too many jobs chasing far too few employees. There are still more businesses that are expanding rather than contracting. Even after the mini banking crisis, incredibly, there's plenty of capital and credit available to start a new business. And let me tell you what I'm really worried about. The gigantic number of jobs that are being created all over the country to meet the demand generated by all the federal government money earmarked to stop climate change or to build our own semiconductors in this country to get away from the chokehold of Taiwan. Both worthy goals. Both goals I champion. But the timing couldn't be worse. 
This morning, I was going through uh, the jobs that are needed in the battery industry, the solar industry, the wind industry, and the semiconductor manufacturing industry. I then layered on the biggest building projects in our nation, like the liquefied natural gas export plants that have made us the world's biggest exporter of the stuff. I can tell you that there are literally hundreds of thousands of jobs that are being created right now. Hundreds of thousands. Now, that would be terrific if we're in the middle of a recession or even just a stagnant economy. All these projects could take, say, a 6% unemployment rate, bring it down to 4 but at 3.6% unemployment rate like we have, this is nuts. We have no real existing slack of trained workers who know how to work with their hands, who know their way around factories, who can do spot welding or handle heavy machinery. The people currently being laid off in this country are either top-of-the-line white-collar workers at tech companies or cashiers at failing retailers. And there aren't too many of those, almost all of which seem to be connected with Bed Bath & Beyond, like Harmon Face Values, Bye Bye Baby, or the previously owned Christmas tree shops. Worse, the kinds of jobs that are being created are really so specialized, it's almost impossible to believe that there are more than a handful of people who really know how to do them. During the heyday of Intel, there was a core group of engineers who understood how to put up semiconductor fabs, and Intel was the best of the best back then. Now our country's going by uh, going to be putting up the fabs in places all, all, all at once, where there's very little institutional knowledge of how to construct these complex factories. Companies that are building them in Ohio and New York will be very hard-pressed to find the right people to do the job, to find any people to do the job. But that's nothing next to the talent that will be needed to build battery plants for electric vehicles, let alone the skilled workers who know how to operate these plants. I have no idea how those will ever be staffed. The solar and wind projects are so voluminous, you have to believe the few companies that build these things will be bidding against each other for talent. And that's how limited the knowledge pool is. Again, I am not against any of these projects. I was a huge supporter of the CHIPS Act, probably the first one, because we currently source the bulk of our semis from Taiwan, a country with disputed sovereignty that the People's Republic of China always seems eager to invade. We have no sizable troop presence there to stop them. The hope is they wouldn't do something crazy like invade a U.S. ally because it might trigger World War III. But maybe they figure we're bluffing. It's vital that we have our own semiconductor manufacturing capacity, Uh, but not just for industrial purposes, but for military might. I'm also a big fan of using clean energy, not dirty energy, solar, wind, electric vehicle charging. These are all integral to cleaner skies. I want to continue to export natural gas into the global market because it's much cleaner than coal. But we sometimes seem to forget that we now have an economy based on services, not manufacturing. People, this is not 1950, it's 2023. And our economy is about 70% based on services. Even in recessionary times, we wouldn't have a pool of skilled labor that's big enough to handle all these projects. We don't have the schools that can train people either. Our country got out of huge manufacturing after NAFTA and ceded a ton of manufacturing to China. It's part of desire to have cheaper goods for people to wear and furnish homes. It was a corrupt bargain in retrospect. So if you're the Fed, you can be joyous that the price of cookies has come down and fish seems to have stabilized and parallels cooling off and secondhand cars are going in the right direction. But the number of jobs being created right now by federal money is so gigantic that it's almost impossible to imagine where we'll find people to fill these positions, at least at these prices, if not much, much higher. I can tell you this, though. They're going to be paid a heck of a lot more than anyone expects. And I wouldn't be surprised if the general contractors don't even hazard to bid for these jobs because they'll lose too much money. Bottom line, unfortunately, even with inflation cooling, the Fed has no choice but to keep tightening. If only to offset the tidal wave of inflation caused by all the government spending, that's about to steamroll this economy. Scott in Pennsylvania. Scott. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call, Jim. I heard your comments uh, yesterday on uh, shorting in the market. And yeah. uh, 
People I, talked I about that Carvana remember, piece. Uh, All over town they talked about that Carvana. A lot of people said, why do you do that piece? Well, I got more comments on that Carvana piece than I had in a long time. What's going on? So uh, I, I remember uh, the uh, Bear Stearns uh, story where they were concerned about uh, being shorted and uh, looking to uh, be crushed. And uh, this morning I was looking at Newell, NWL, and uh, noticed that they're uh, 6% short. Uh, but they recently uh, just started uh, increasing in their price. So do you think they're in play? Uh, no, no, I think this- that they've actually got management that's turning things around. But uh, the balance sheet is not what it wants, what it should be. And any company that has a not great balance sheet is in this environment going to, if we're thinking we're going to recession, attract short sellers. I don't care for the company in part because I still think they have a lot more to do with the balance sheet. But it is better than it was a year ago. Let's go to John in North Carolina. John. Jim, many thanks for your investing help over the years. So. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. What's up? Several weeks ago, a short seller's report knocked down Exponential Fitness. What, what do you think of that one moving Holy forward? cow. Holy cow. I was talking to Ben Stoto, you know, who is our research director, and I said, we got to get these guys on. This thing was just a solid raid. Exponential Fitness, listen up. Welcome back to the show. We need you more than ever. Okay, even with inflation cooling, the Fed has no choice but to keep tightening. If only to offset the inflationary impact of all the government spending that's about to hit this economy. It's been underestimated by everyone. Oh, man, tonight, remember the IPO class of 2021? Well, there are some higher quality members that are making a comeback. And I'm talking to one of them. It's called Sprinkler. Fresh off the company's investor day to learn more about the story. Then we're continuing our series on spending related to legislation, this time digging into the Inflation Reduction Act to see how you could profit off the new flow of money. And DocuSign is the new CEO at the helm. So could this be the catalyst the stock needs to finally move higher? I'm talking to the man himself. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's match engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. About two years ago, when it became clear that the IPO market had jumped the shark, 
I stopped covering all but the most high-profile new offerings because I could tell this thing was headed for disaster. This year, though, we're seeing the higher-quality members from the IPO class of 2021 make major comebacks. Take Sprinkler, the enterprise software company that helps its clients manage all of their customer-facing functions, from call centers to social media accounts, using a single platform. That's important. Sprinkler stock has now doubled from its lows set last December, and today the company made it the case for why its shares could go much higher much higher still, and held an investment day right here in the New York Stock Exchange. I want you to hear that story directly from the horse's mouth. So let's check in with Raji Thomas. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Sprinkler. To get a better read on the story, Mr. Thomas, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, you were on eight years ago. Yes, I and was. And you were delighted. I only picked a couple of companies that, you know, that no one really knew about to have come on. <laughs> And I loved what you guys did because of the way you managed everything. But since I've seen you, there's been this incredible explosion of people writing stuff and saying bad things and got to track it down. How are you able to do this job now versus then? Well, I think our job is getting easier because companies are beginning to realize that they cannot afford to ignore the voice of the customer. No. Now, if someone goes there and leaves a one-star review, you better go and answer it. Don't wait for the phone to ring because it's doing damage out there already. And so I believe that this idea of putting everything together in your contact center, along with marketing, along with sales, and along with getting insights on one platform is a game changer. Do you think people are beginning to realize that these companies, that it really does matter, that a one-star review can crush them? Well, not one one one-star review, but a lot. And that's what's going on. People are talking to each other. They no longer believe what you are saying. You could come up with the best ad. You could say, my car is amazing on snow. Someone goes and checks out, and someone else is saying, sucks on snow. Who are you going to believe? Okay, so Thread starts. I mean, were you ready for Threads? I mean, out of nowhere, this thing has got, you know, it's gotten... Millions of people, and, and people are probably doing some damage to some of the companies that you follow. Are you getting right to work on threads? We are. The good news is we are truly omni-channel. So as soon as right. the APIs become available, in two weeks, every part of Sprinkler from customer service to marketing to advertising to engagement is going to start working on threads. I'm on threads already. Now, do we need more channels? Obviously, we do. Right. There's 100 billion people that signed up, and it's great news for companies like us because we... Make it like we make it easy for a business to get started on whatever is coming next. Now, I always look to see who speaks for companies when you have these analyst days. And I am sure you were thrilled. It was Google that came out. (laughs) I can't think of any more uh, reverential uh, team that you want to be with. What did they say? Well, they said that artificial intelligence is very big for them, as Mm -hmm. you all know. Engaging with customers, making them happy, getting insights, very important for them. And, you know, we've had a great partnership for many, many years. We are blessed to have some of the biggest brands as you, customers. You have Netflix, you have Amazon, Microsoft. I mean, these are, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, all this 10 is, of the top 10 brands in the world, 85 of the top one. The, they do, thankfully. Now, I want to ask you about one that I think is, uh, I think has excellent customer service, and that's Lululemon. They are constantly being rated everywhere, and they do have a higher price point, so they better have a premium product. What do you do for Lulu? Well, we do digital, social engagement and service. That's typically where we start with a brand. Okay. And so um, customer companies, brands who are customer obsessed, we're the first ones to jump on Sprinkler. And so Lululemon was an early customer, and their obsession with 
making customers happy is why they can afford to sell higher. Studies, analysts have said that if you obsess about your customer and customer service and experience, there's a 700% better chance that customers are going to stick with you regardless of how good your product is. Now, but you must be working with top flight people within these companies. They, you can't do it alone and they can't do it alone. I'd like to think we are co-innovating and, and co-inventing this idea, this category that we call unified customer experience management. Logically, CRM as an industry is about 30 years old. Right. We need what's coming after that. And that's what we're trying to invent together. Now, um, when I look at a company, I'm going to give you one. All right. I bought some stuff. And this is a very fine company. I don't mean nothing. At Ikea. Okay. And my daughter and I, I, I think we stopped talking to each other for at least 40 days because I bought something at Ikea and I broke it. I couldn't do it. I mean, what do you do for the real tough ones where it's just a do-it-yourself and people make mistakes themselves and it's not the company's fault, but you have to still answer. Well, we do. And what we do is instead of thinking of this isolated as when you call customer service, you start thinking about understanding what is broken by listening to customers. So you find out that number one complaint that you get is people are not able to follow instructions. Now, the thing is we help them understand that's your number one complaint so they can maybe make the instruction booklet easier. Maybe they can do video customer service. So start by listening, then push information to the customer in a self-service way. Nobody wants to call a brand. You just make it available inside the product. Dell is a customer. In some cases, you want to push that support onto the device so you don't have to even call. It's a great idea. Well, I spied you eight years ago with just a sprint, you know, twinkle of the eye, and you guys have done a great job. I'm, I want to congratulate you. You should be very proud when your analyst day right Thank here. Thank you, sir. Really, Getting really started terrific. Only. Okay, that's Raji Thomas, founder and CEO of Sprinkler. And it's CXM, which is customer experience. Managing. That's their symbol, and that's what they are. And Mayor Bunny's back into it. Coming up, when D.C. moves, which companies groove? Winners from the Inflation Reduction Act, next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. After a surprisingly low inflation reading this morning, we truly have no idea where this economy is headed. Maybe the Fed has one less reason to raise interest rates, but maybe they want to crush inflation so thoroughly that it won't come back for decades. I hope. But rather than trying to bet on the Fed's next move, you know what? I'd rather gamble on a sure thing. 
That's why all week I've been highlighting the companies that benefit from the Biden administration's spending spree over the last couple of years. Huge federal programs that are finally starting to kick in. Finally. OK, it could be with us for a decade. That's a lot of money. And at least for next year, it's guaranteed. albeit inflationary as I said at the top of the show. Now, we've already been over the infrastructure bill and the Chips and Science Act. So tonight, let's tackle the huge spending bill called the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA. Not to be confused with the organization of the same name, although I'm sure Jerry Adams got a kick out of that one. I bridled at the title of the act because it's got nothing to do with reducing inflation. But looking back, I got to admit, it was brilliant marketing. Because now the White House can take credit for the big decline in inflation, down to 3% as of last month, even though the IRA had absolutely nothing to do with it. In reality, the IRA contains some huge climate change investments. It extends federal subsidies for Obamacare. It allows Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices. I'm going to do a lot more on that because it's really big. And it reforms several elements of the tax code to raise a little revenue, including a new corporate minimum tax for large companies and a 1% tax on stock buybacks. Some of this is being challenged in courts. Some of it's being rolled back by the debt ceiling deal. But for the most part, the huge spending components, they aren't going anywhere. Tonight, I only want to focus on the biggest chunk of this bill, the $369 billion for climate and energy security initiatives, because it's what contains the most obvious stock ideas. And believe me, I know they were talked about initially, but people have forgotten about them or they didn't think it was really going to happen. The money is going to be in hand just when people have forgotten about all these great stocks. For example, the IRA extended consumer tax credits for rooftop solar panels, electric vehicles and energy savings, home improvements like heat pumps, Big, big money. Solar is tricky because these stocks tend to trade with the fossil fuel complex, their competition. And they're also tied to interest rates because when the Fed tightens, it becomes more expensive for consumers to get the financing they need to install rooftop solar panels. People forgot that and got crushed in some of these stocks. Now, given the tough environment, I recommend sticking with the best of breed. First, solar. I like the company still. It's up 30 percent for the year, despite the weakness in the group, because it's one of the only solar panel makers that's actually profitable. Now, if you're willing to take some risk, and I'm going to tell you, this one is as risky as they get. You want to focus on Enphase Energy. Mainly makes inverters fantastic pieces of equipment, crucial pieces that transform energy captured by solar panels into usable electricity. But that said, the stock's been terrible lately. It's down 31% for the year, the opposite of first solar. Now, you got my blessing to buy Enphase in the weakness because it is a key cog in the solar machine, and I expect the stock to ultimately recover along with the rest of the industry. Plus, it's currently the cheapest it's been since 2020. But as I said, it's not working because of the financing component. It's part of the operation. It's gotten so much more difficult because of higher rates. It's still a very good business. But people understand that oil goes down, rates go up. Sell, sell, sell. End phase. What else? Okay, the big problem with solar is, well, it only works when um, the sun's out. Hey, by the way, the Germans discovered that. It's only sunny like 27% of the time in Germany. Big mistake for them. Uh, but this is energy storage goes hand in hand. In our country, it's sunny a lot. Uh, not just in Philadelphia. Untrue. Okay, that brings me to Genrac. Originally a maker of power generators, which also makes battery systems that can store energy from solar panels. Now, I don't hate the generator side, and I think the solar side can recover along with the rest of the industry. You just need to be patient. Plus, if we had to have a bad hurricane season, oh, doctor, you could expect Genrac stock to roar because they make the emergency generators everybody needs when the power goes out. That said, Genrac stock is usually volatile. If you don't like it, don't pay up for it on a big day. If you, if you like it, don't pay up for it. Just don't pay up for it because you will regret it. And by the way, 
if Jim Farley's watching, which I know he does, the CEO of Ford, yes, indeed, the Ford 150 Lightning, it does everything that Genrec does when your power goes out and more because it also you can you can drive in it. Next, how about the electric vehicle tax credits? Okay, these look very generous on the surface, but there's some real fine print in the IRA that limits who can actually get them. Car has to be assembled in North America. Buyer can't make too much money. Each manufacturer can only be eligible for so many tax credits. Exhausting. GM and Tesla have already hit the limit. When you consider all that, the only one that I think has more upside from these electric tax credits should be Ford. It hasn't hit the limit, even as all of its electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids should be eligible. Isn't that terrific? The Inflation Reduction Act also incentivizes investments in alternative energy via tax credits and Department of Energy loans. Think wind, solar, nuclear, and clean hydrogen. We've already talked about solar, and wind's pretty established. So why don't we do this? Let's talk nukes and hydrogen. Regular viewers know I just love Constellation Energy. That's the independent power producer. That's the closest we can get to a pure play on nuclear power. Next energy era, next, I mean, next year energy also has seven nuclear plants. Southern companies deep in nukes building the first new, new nuclear power plant in America since Three Mile Island. Hey, kids, look that one up. That project took forever, but it's finally now coming online this summer, thank heavens. When it comes to hydrogen power winners, I have two preferred names. The first is Lindy. That's the industrial gas powerhouse that we own for the Chapel Trust, which, by the way, I talked about in depth in our really visceral monthly conference call today. Lindy has the largest liquid hydrogen capacity and distribution system in the world, even as it's a relatively small part of their overall business. That said, they're building a new facility in upstate New York that should more than double their green hydrogen capacity. Second, I also like Cummins, the truck engine maker that has a whole new hydrogen fuel cell subsidiary. They make electrolyzers, the systems that produce green hydrogen, and they're working on hydrogen-powered truck engines. I like both of these companies very, very much. Why these two old-line industrials? Because if you see a pure play on hydrogen fuel cells, it's going to be insanely speculative. Too risky for me. I'd much rather bet on high-quality established companies with a hydrogen kicker like Cummins and Lindy, both excellent companies away from hydrogen. Who else should benefit from IR's climate provisions? GE's power unit makes wind and gas turbines along with new nuclear power reactors. Obvious winners. I was just struggling there because GE, like, they call, I call them turbines. They call them turbines. I don't know, tomato, tomato, right? Of course, right now, GE's killing it thanks to the incredible strength of their aerospace business. But early next year, they'll spin off the power division, and it's a GE Vernova. And I think it's going to be worth keeping an eye on. I can't believe I said that because I hated that division for a very long time. The IRA also incentivizes investments in carbon capture and storage. The first company that comes to mind there when I hear carbon capture is Denbury. This is technically an oil and gas producer, but they've used their expertise in enhanced oil recovery to become a leading player in carbon capture technology. They're very good at it. I like talking to those guys. Hey, by the way, I also like Enbridge, the Canadian pipeline company that's working on a network of pipelines to help transport captured carbon dioxide to places where it can be safely stored. Hey, by the way, Enbridge is doing terrific things to transport energy in the Gulf. Thank you, Rusty Brazil from RBN Energy. And I think that's a proven winner away from the IRA. Those are just some of the potential winners as the IRA's climate provisions go into full year. This is such a sprawling piece of legislation that I could spend an entire week on it alone. I love going over it. There is so much money to be made just reading the fine print. But the bottom line, as the IRA subsidies 
fully kick in, and they are happening right now. I think the highest quality alternative energy plays will get a huge tailwind, and the whole group should be in better shape once the Fed stops tightening and the economy can stabilize, which might be sooner than expected. Let's go to James in New York. James! How are you doing, Jim? I am doing well, James. How about you? Doing good. My question is about Lockheed Martin. I've had it for about two years, and I was wondering about your thoughts on it. I think LMT, first of all, it's run by James Takelet, who is just dynamite. I think LMT is trading down because people feel that Congress isn't going to spend as much on defense. We saw that they did kind of cut back what I thought they'd do. But here's what you need to know. That's a well-run company that's very inexpensive, and therefore the answer is. And by the way, Jim's always welcome on the show. How about we go to Olga in Ohio? Olga. Booyah, Professor Kramer. Booyah to you, Olga. What's up? I try to never, ever miss your show. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Your opinion about Moderna. Thank is you. It, oh, it is almost at a six-month low. Every time it raises its little head, it collapses, and the short sellers are killing it nonstop. And also, the chairman is selling it weekly. What is the problem? Boy, you know, you identified the problem, didn't you? The selling. The- the shorts are really after it. Can I just say in a positive way that their technology is incredible? And in the end, the technology will win. Oh, I want you to stick with it. It is a house of pain for people, but I am a believer in Moderna. Okay, how about Peter in Florida? Peter. Hey, Jimmy, how's it going? Oh, not bad. How about you? Oh, I'm great. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking about pharma seems really fickle, you know? I mean, Novo Nordisk has been very highly recommended, but then when you get competition from Lilly with the obesity drug, Novo Nordisk is getting spanked. I'm wondering what to do about Novo Nordisk. I'm worried about it. Why? Because Eli Lilly, which is owned by Chapel Trust, we talked about it lovingly today in our uh, uh, monthly meeting. They have so much money and they're going to open so much capacity that to me, Novo is at this point a sell. And Eli Lilly is still, especially after this pullback, and that says it all. As the IRA subsidies fully kick in, I think the highest quality alternative energy plays will get a huge tailwind. Now, there is so much more mad money ahead, it's going to make your head spin. Including my exclusive with DocuSign. After reporting one of its best quarters in years last month, why why is the stock stuck in the mud? I'm going straight to the source of the answers. And earlier in our monthly meeting for subscribers to CNBC Investing Club, I got real and shared with club members just how difficult this business really can be. I went to the kitchen, and I'm going to share a piece of what it's like to be a chef. All right, all your calls, rapid fire, tonight's edition of the Light Route coming up next. So stay with Kramer. What's it going to take for the stock of DocuSign to turn around? During the pandemic, the company revolutionized the process of closing business deals, real estate transactions with this e-signature software. You probably used it and couldn't believe how good it is. But after COVID receded, well, the stock fell off a cliff. New competitors popped up. Demand slowed down. A lot of that's real estate, of course. Only the old CEO had to retire. He'd been on the show a couple times. Nice guy. But now DocuSign's got a new CEO. It's Alan Tegerson. And in less than a year, he's brought in new leadership and aggressively cut costs. Plus, last month, the company reported one of its best quarters in years. Yet the stock didn't get any traction. So what's going on here? Hey, let's take a closer look with Alan Tegerson. He's the newish CEO of DocuSign. Took over last October. Mr. Tegerson, welcome to Mad Money. 
everybody. Well, thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. Okay, well, you had a very, very good quarter. I saw you on uh-huh. another show, yes. and you almost talked me out of liking your company <laughs> because you were so conservative. So can you just explain to me what really is going on? Well, it's really, I think, a reinvention story, right? So we had a fantastic franchise in e-signature where yes. we created the category, and that, I think, continues to be a foundation of our strength. But we need more. And so the three things I'm focused on are, first, reimagination of the product roadmap. We want to really revolutionize agreements more broadly. Look at everything from creation, editing, negotiating, execution, and management of the agreements. Second, revamp our go-to-market. Helps not just direct sales, but self-serve partners. And third, improve our internal operations. And I think we're making really good progress in all three. So, but at the same time, up. I mean, here's a Morgan Stanley note, and just says, "Guys, Keith Weiss, smart guy." Yeah. He goes, "We believe the greatest competitive threat to DocuSign comes from Adobe, given its ability to bundle e-signature capabilities in its Acrobat plans. Adobe is an amazing company, and if they're going against you, how do you beat them?" No question, Adobe is a great company. I have a lot of respect for the management team there. But I think we're much more focused on the agreement space than, than Adobe, and I think that that will read to our benefit. So we are a you know, better product. People respond more favorably. They respond faster. We have better workflow internally in the systems, and we're focused on the agreement space. So I'm, I'm very, I feel very good about where DocuSign's heading and not focused on what Adobe or other companies are doing. Okay, fair enough. That's what you should be doing. 1.6 million houses last year, 1.2 million this year, 400,000 down. I use DocuSign on real yeah. estate. Others do too. Is that part of the problem? Well, we, 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 did, we did see some effect from the real estate slowdown. That's mostly behind us now. We're sort of in steady state mode there to the extent that recovers. That'll help us a little bit. But we are a very diversified company. Every industry uses us. It's not Maybe just you, financial I, I, services. In healthcare, you're the only guy I see. In fact, on healthcare, very interestingly, we're really upgrading our capabilities there. So we just launched last quarter electronic hardware record compatibility. Yes, so that's what with I saw. Cerner and others. And so and now, and is owned by Oracle, and, which is right. king. No, so we're we're doing very well with that. Here's an interesting stat for you: 88% reduction in errors by using electronic signature, and a $36 per transaction reduction in costs. So I'm very optimistic about our, our future in, in the healthcare space. Okay, now a lot of companies tell me AI, AI, AI. Here enough, sure enough, I've got it. Do the AI innovation you talked about will have a meaningful impact on customer acquisition and spend? I put it right at you. I'm hearing too much AI from people. Tell me why you are real AI. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd say we have a long history of, of having worked with AI. We have we're shipping products with AI embedded. In fact, products that are really solely AI based. With that said, if you look at the agreement space, generative AI lends itself so well to literally every step of the workflow there, and so we are very well positioned for that reason. And lastly, we have the largest repository of agreements in the world, six petabytes of agreements. So we are an exceptional proprietary data set that on behalf of our customers, with their permission, we could deliver, I think, exceptional solutions for them. So I'm, I'm very bullish on the future of AI, uh, and I think it's going to be a nice accelerant for us. Okay. Um- Periodically, something, some people tell me I have to notarize something. Now, I don't know what the hell that is, other than the <laughs> fact that there's somebody I hired who's a notary. Um, it, it, do you have to still have a notary when you have your company? There, there are certain situations where individual states require notaries. I really think that that is going to decline over time. Okay. We, all, we offer that solution. Uh, but I think what's more interesting is we can fully digitally replace all of that. So we're actually launching next week here in the U.S. a feature we launched in, in Europe a few months ago 
where you can upload your ID, let's say your driver's license, and then we do a live automated video verification that it's you, same picture on the ID, and that you're present. That collectively is equivalent to an in-person signing and so much more convenient both for the customer and for the company. All right, I got shut down for, uh, with a, a credit card in Iceland last week. Same thing, and I had no idea how to prove myself, so I ended up having to use my kid's uh, credit card, which was incredibly <laughs> embarrassing for me for the record. Your plan might make it so that can't happen. I hope so. So I, we, we can definitely do it technically. Well, that's going to be a darn good business. We are pretty excited about it. And you still kept a lot of the money from when you made all the money, right? It's like you spent all the money like a drunken sailor or anything from the, uh, the COVID days. No, no, no. So we, we, uh, we actually are, are driving significantly improved profitability this time. And our, our focus is on profitable growth. I don't know. I mean, I got it. And this is one of those where I'm shaking my head. Adobe's like a, what, a third of you. I mean, like nowhere near as big as you are in the space. With all, I think we are the leader in the space. I think that's fair to say. Alan Tegerson is the CEO of DocuSign, DOCU. Now, in full disclosure, when I when you report the quarter, I thought the quarter was magnificent. Last one, I thought the stock would go up. But he's so conservative that the stock did not go up. But that's maybe your nature, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, all right. thank you, Jim. I appreciate Great. it. Thank Great you so much for coming on, Man yeah. Buddy. Thank you. Man Buddy's back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round, next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Okay, that's my and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Come for the lightning round. Let's start with Bob in New York. Bob. Jim, I need your help. Sure. I'm here for you. I'm, I'm looking at a company that is down 25% year to date. Currently, the stock has a PE under 7 and a yield of 5.8%. What do you think about international paper? Oh, what a tough business. My dad sold craft paper for a living. I got to tell you, I see and feel the pain of the people with IP because they do a great job. But I've decided I can't recommend that stock because I couldn't take it. My father would come home at night, have that glass of wild turkey and go into his bedroom and say, I didn't sell a lot of craft paper today. Let's go to Jeff in New Jersey. Jeff. How you doing, Jim? I'm from New Jersey. I like to ask you about Paramount. You know, their their market cap is about ten billion, and their assets are over thirty billion. What do you think about this stock? The only way this thing can be saved is if it gets taken over. Now, Lena Khan, the FTC, had just got a terrible defeat on this uh, Activision Blizzard. Now, I don't know what the attorney, I don't know what the Justice Department would say about it, but I got to tell you, Paramount's great hope is is that she keeps losing. Let's go to Barbara in California. Barbara. Hi, Jim. I'm a first-time caller. Okay. I've been hi. I've been watching a stock that has been hitting new highs for months. I would be interested in your entry price for Clean Harbor. Clean Harbor, believe it or not, is still not expensive even right here. So what you do? I talked about this today on our investing class that I put on the club meeting at 12. You put on some here, and then you wait five points down, and you put a little more on. You buy down in scale. I don't want you to buy it all at once because the stock's had too big a move. But you're right. It is a good company, and it can be bought. Now we're going to Brian in New Jersey. Brian. We got Dr. Kramer. Thank you for giving me that degree. What's up? So I'm interested in Occidental Petroleum. A couple things. One, their earnings are coming out, I think, on August 2nd. Two, they have good earnings. I, I think eight, and, I think 8.7% or $8.75 rather per share. 
uh, and they have a dividend, uh, a dividend that's about two percent, and lastly, right. their PE is in the upper sixes, which. It's pretty reasonable. Well, I think. I'll tell you, I'm, you know what? I mean, you know, these are things that you could just say, why not buy Pioneer, which we own for the trust? Get a better yield. You got a much cheaper uh, uh, fighting cost. All in. I think you should go with, with Pioneer and Oxy. People like Oxy because Buffett's in there. But you know what? Sometimes you really want to have a company which has better costs and that in, in an environment where oils come down, and that's Pioneer. Why don't we go to Owen in New Jersey? Owen. Hey, Mr. Kramer, how you doing today? I am doing fine, Owen. How about you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for taking my call. My pleasure. What's up? I wanted to get your thoughts on a stock energy sector down 14%. I got it a couple days ago. I think it might be a good hold for a while. Duke Energy. Yeah, Duke is very solid. I got Duke's got no flies on it. I'm okay with Duke. I was afraid you were going to say Dominion, which I am very concerned about, which gave away its last interest in a terrifically good LNG plant. And I'll have no parts of those guys. I think you're Brandon, Pennsylvania. Brandon. Hey, Jim, big fan. I was, uh, was, calling, I was calling in to ask you about uh, C3.ai. Uh, Tom C. I like Tom Siebel very much, but I was I was regretting that I didn't put this at the top of yesterday's show because it is so heavily shorted. It is a short squeeze at this point. It is not making any money, and I don't recommend companies that aren't making money on mad money. Let's go to Richard in Massachusetts. Richard! Hello, Kramer. Richard, how you doing? Can't wait till week one until we trounce your eagles. But I have a two-part that, question that's, here. That's probably not going to happen, but that's okay. Go ahead. Uh, Place a bet on the side, but I'd like to know what you think about Aries Capital, business development company. You know, Aries Capital. Uh, I know it's this is very difficult for me. I don't know exactly what Aries Capital. I know the reputation. The reputation is absolutely terrific, and I know the yield is big, but I don't know what they own enough to be able to say bye bye bye. Now let's go to Rick in Pennsylvania. Rick. Hey, what's up, Jim? This is Rick from the other side of Pennsylvania. What the Steelers side? Yeah, it's the cool guy side. I never heard of it called that. I should have. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, it stands to reason because it's just so out there. Like, you got Hazleton, Pennsylvania there, and you're like at the Ohio border. This guy's got horse sense. Go ahead. What's up? Um, I wanted to uh, ask about, um, there's a, a stock that's uh, got, uh, it's pretty close to the bottom right now. So I, I think this thing could be a 10-bagger, man. I'm not joking. It could make some people a lot of money. But uh, the only problem with it is it's got a it's negative it's negative operating income. Um, well, that, yeah, that could be an issue. VRR. Yeah, well, you see, it's got to be a two bagger before it can be a ten bagger. And I don't even know it has to be a one bagger. Look, I think it's a decent company. I, you know, I like. Well, you know what I say? If you were from the eastern side where all the people are really smart, you'd be buying Adobe. Okay, so get that straight. All right, and the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, ever since they, uh, you know, they, were, they 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 got relegated down. The Steelers, right? They relegate in the NFL. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, find us in the club. Kramer and Jeff Marks held court today with the CNBC Investing Club. Keep it here. Jim Kramer, the diehard of the dollar. Hey, Jimmy, love the show. My five-year-old grandson loves to watch your show. I have to thank you for making us money when it's there to be made. Our world is a better place with you in it.
hosted our CNBC Investing Club meeting today, but this time we did things a little differently. Anyone who belongs to the club knows I play with an open hand, but today I and my co-portfolio manager, Jeff Marks, let you inside the kitchen in a way that no one's ever done to see how the sausage really gets made. And just like in the two restaurants I used to own, it's plenty ugly, full of visceral give and take, suffused with anger, with regret, and above all, passion. Too often this business is perceived as being bloodless. Money managers who talk about what they do and act as if there's nothing to it. They bought it perfectly. They sold it perfectly. It was all one big carnival of brilliance, which is why you should give your money to them, because they're never wrong, and you always are. Well, that's the opposite of reality. As I showed in today's Candid Club meeting, money management is an art, not a science. There are all sorts of conflicting disciplines and difficult reactions to the unforeseen. Sometimes you have a high-quality dilemma buying Stanley Black & Decker at $89.42, only see the stock fall to 99 bucks. yet you didn't have nearly as much on your sheets as you might want. Or in English, it flew up before you could buy enough. It's easy to watch a money manager saying, we own Stanley Black & Decker, we nailed it. What garbage? You never hear them say we didn't own enough. And it is how you react to these situations that matters. I showed the genuine disappointment today that occurred when I refused to violate my basis, an important discipline for me, and pay up for more stock. I showed what it was like to kick myself. For me, it's torture. And I showed that to investing club members today because I'm tired of hearing that how everybody I listen to gets everything right and you get so many things wrong. Hey, but you want real visceral angle? Go listen to what I talk about. Health Company, where we just got bagged, bagged, totally had by a management team that was much more bullish than any right to be on our own network, nonetheless. Owning that mistake, though, accepting that I got had, okay, is but that I made the mistake that it's on me is part of the whole game. I was the one who felt misled. Of course, there simply aren't enough money managers who ever admit that they got had in public. Why the heck would they advertise their mistakes? Bad for business. It can even get ugly with the good ones. I've told you to own NVIDIA, don't trade it, but because I didn't push the stock before that great last quarter and said, wait, if you didn't own it, I've been blasted for not pounding the table on NVIDIA. Some accused me of convincing them to short NVIDIA because some Kramer-hating service said I told people to short it, and then I shorted it myself. I can't short anything. Yeah, I shorted. Yeah, and I shorted my dog in video, too. Yeah, remember when I did that to him? <laughs> now, look, I just didn't tell people to buy it right before the quarter, for heaven's sake. I don't like playing the game of roulette, the kind of Russian roulette, that is buying before a quarterly report if the stock in question had a parabolic move. Now, I want you to have confidence in picking stocks. The only way I can do that, though, is to admit that mistakes are routinely made by everyone, including the professionals, in some cases especially the professionals, but that they can't keep you from continuing to try. Mistakes are part of the business for everybody. Now, we're fortunate enough to own big slugs of the Magnificent Seven for the Chapel Trust. We've owned the best of the drugs and the industrials. But make no mistake, if you join the club and you watch the monthly calls like today, you'll see that the perfect process you hear about from most money managers on TV is a myth. Nobody is that good. So let me leave you with this thought. I think that managing your own money is one of the most challenging, difficult things you can do. But it can be satisfying and tremendously lucrative as long as you learn from your mistakes. Today, we devoted a full hour to being inside the kitchen. It's just plain raw and painful and passionate because that's how money actually gets made, even if most portfolio managers will never admit it on the air.
I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Fast Call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 